When we talk about women in Hollywood, we may think about the talent of Meryl Streep, the beauty of Scarlett Johansson, or the humor of Whippy Goldberg. But what about the women behind the camera? Women who make just as much, if not more, impact on our culture and gender. Catherine Bigelow for being the first woman to win an Academy Award for Best Director. Patty Jenkins for bringing us the long overdue kick-ass blockbuster Wonder Woman. And today's Women of Impact. Over the last 10 years, she's built, along with her husband, a studio juggernaut. Co-founder and president, Bronn Management and Bronze Studios gave birth to the Academy Award-nominated movie Fences, starring Denzel Washington. Isn't It Romantic starring Rebel Wilson, Liam Helmsworth and Priyanka Chopra. And All Rise starring Jennifer Hudson. And that's just scraping the surface of their roster. But being a Hollywood badass is about as far from where she started as you can possibly imagine. Growing up in a predominantly white community in Canada, she felt like more of an outcast than Daniel LaRusso. But this introvert was not about to let her circumstances dictate her future. So she strapped up and took on the male-dominated industry, all while raising not one, not two, but three children. Now, as if that wasn't already trailblazing enough, Bron branched out again and launched the Bron Animation Group, a 20,000 square foot studio led by a strong team of creative production, technical and financial talent with over 125 visual and technical artists. They were the creative geniuses behind the Willoughby's and Henchmen. Now with over 75 movies under her belt and offices worldwide, I think it's pretty safe to say this woman is kind of having a global impact. <laughs> so please help me in welcoming the woman who pays it forward by supporting, empowering and mentoring women in creative roles. A woman whose mission it is to positively impact society by bringing more female driven stories to the big screen and a woman whose company motto, work hard, play hard, not only resulted in Academy Awards, but also resulted in Instagram posts of snowmen competitions. <laughs> One of the most incredibly humble powerhouses I have ever met, Brenda Gilbert. Thank you. That Welcome was quite the introduction. Oh, girl. <laughs> I honestly, so we've met before. So I was introduced to you. Someone said, oh, this is my boss. I want you to meet Brenda. Oh, Brenda, what do you do? You're like, oh, well, I, you know, we have a studio and, and then I come to find out in two and a half hours of me talking to you by the end that you own Bron. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what? You were so humble and so authentic and so genuine that I was like, I, I have to get to know this woman and I have to have her on my show. So take me back to your child, you're in Canada, you feel like you're the odd one out. How do you go from that to building a media juggernaut? Wow, that, that's, a, that's a huge question, um, obviously. In terms of me as a child, I was, mm. I was bullied and discriminated against, um, but I always had my head in a book and I always liked school. And so I always did well. And I also had a creative side to me. I also liked to draw and I liked to sew and, and those types of things. So I think that was my saving grace is I always wanted to learn. And, um, I didn't know exactly what I was going to be, but what I was maybe eventually going to become. Um, I always had empathy for people. I always felt sorry for people. Um, in, when I was about in grade one, there was a grade seven-year-old who was kicking around three kittens. And I didn't realize at the time that I had the empathy and the kindness. I just did what I thought was right. And I went up to him and I said, stop. 
and he turned around and kicked me really hard in the back and called me a nigger and told me to go away. So I ran home, you know, crying because I was in so much pain. Um, and that still, I, I still did what I had to do. You know, I still went to school the next day. I did, you know, certain things. And my, my parents expected a lot of me. Um, that's really made me who I am today in terms of multitasking, the ability to run a company, the ability to have, you know, multiple children and to really support them. Um, so, you know, I, I met my husband, uh, I guess, 22 and a half years ago. And what really inspired me about him is he thought globally. He was much more the entrepreneur than I was. I was much more, I need to do this and make sure that the overhead is covered and things like that. Maybe take a little bit of a risk, but make sure that everything is covered. And he's like, you know what, if you take a big risk, you know, you can see much more, right? You can achieve much more. Uh, over time, obviously, mm -hmm. I become that entrepreneur. What has kept me in the game, what has kept me in business, what has kept me to be true to myself is the passion mm -hmm. for storytelling. Um, I call it the three or four Ps. So the passion, the art form, that's what gets me up in the morning and to drive me to do what I'm doing. The perseverance, the patience, and the persistence. Because in this industry, I've been told, it's much more riskier than the stocks. But if you really love what you're doing, you keep at it. And you get knocked down time and time again. And my husband and I, um, we've got up. We faltered, right? We didn't always have, you know, this beautiful home and beautiful things and that. Um, so I also believe that we need to be true to ourselves and what we believe in. Um, and Lisa, you posted something about being happy. What makes you mm -hmm. happy? You know, initially it could be something monetary or something that's very superficial. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's more so the passion and wanting to help people. That's very clear that you did it as a child and that you do it now. How do you hold on to that? So I'm trying to picture you as this young child running home from school. Obviously, you stood up because you really were empathetic to these kittens. A boy that was, I'm sure, t 10 times taller than you or bigger than you, and you stood up to it. And it seems like you're saying th that's exactly what you keep doing is like looking for those moments to stand up for what you believe in. How do you, though, in those moments where you're so upset and you're crying, mm. um, do you not just then give up or go, wow, that really sucked. A boy just kicked me in the back. I'm never going to do that again. Mm -hmm. um, but you didn't. You kind of lent into it. Mm -hmm. It was, it was very difficult, right? You, you know, I don't always think about things in terms mm. of helping people. I just go and do it. Mm. There's a lot of people that complain about the world and complain about poverty, uh, mass incarceration, racial profiling, and things like that. I feel, as a woman of color, is my job hasn't been as difficult as people that lived in the 1800s, you know, the 19, early 1900s and things like that. And you think about the 1960s with Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, they had much more challenges than I did. Mm. So I always think that there's always someone worse off than me. That's what drives me. I don't think of something as being challenging. Of course, there are times that it's very difficult and it's hard to get out of bed, but I think of it as an opportunity, an opportunity to help people, right? Mm. And that's, that's the key. It's, that's the key for me to be driven and motivated, not just the passion for what I do, but the passion for life and for people. I love that. Yeah, seeing your passion, I mean, that must be so strong because not only do you work in an industry that is extremely male dominated everything in society quote unquote says like you don't belong here 
how did you like not listen to those naysayers and were just like, no, I'm, I'm going to be here. Because in those moments, right, when you're telling yourself, I'm going to do this, I can do it. Sometimes when you hit that brick wall and you're emotionally um, distraught, how do you get out of that, like emotionally get out of that? Um, you know, I alluded to it earlier is there's always somebody that's worse off than me. And do you just then repeat that in your head? Because sometimes for me, like I try to do that and sometimes it's just like it doesn't heal the pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My body knows it, but my heart doesn't. Yes. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been hurt many times. And in our industry, it's it's based on superficiality and people don't necessarily do what they say. So one of the first things I had said to you is if I promise to do something, I'm going to keep that word to you. It's, you know, and your word is gold to me mm. because I think, why aren't people, why are people so dishonest and why are people so greedy? And why do you, when you walk in the room, particularly in Hollywood, they look at who you are, who you're with and what you're wearing. Um, we shouldn't be based upon that. We should be based upon the good that we can do. What can we contribute to society? I think that's much more important. Um, and being complacent has no place in my world. That. I love that. And is that what made you then open your business? I know that you lived in Canada, but like why you stayed there? Because in my world, I desperately wanted to be in Hollywood as a kid, had mm-hmm. these big dreams. Mm-hmm. And everyone said, well, you have to go to Hollywood if you want to be there. And, you know, everyone needs to conform but you were like, no, I'm not going to conform because I think even the people listening at home as well, we've all been told you need to conform, to succeed, conform to it. How did you not? Um, again, no predictability. We just did it. Um, for me, my house has to be a home and that's my place of reprieve. And that's where, you know, when you are hurt and you have these, you know, things that happen that are very difficult is making sure that you have that and you've established it wherever you are. Mm -hmm. For me, I grew up in Canada, so um, I feel safe there um, and secure there. And I've built, you know, all these relationships and things like that there. So really surrounding myself with good people and not to say that I don't have a lot of good friends and, and people that I consider family here in Los Angeles. Um, it's, it's not quite home just because the business is here. Yeah. But again, I love that you didn't just say, well, this is going to hold me back because it clearly hasn't. And, um, I think that that's really important for people to hear that you don't have to conform to what other people are saying. Mm-hmm. It really is you can build anything if you have the passion and drive that you do. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about then um, your partnership with your husband. So people at home know that I also work with my husband. He's my business partner. I know it's not easy. Um, how did you find it in getting into business with your husband in the first place? And what are the things you've had to navigate Lisa, as you know, it's very difficult to be working with your husband. Um, and key is, is saying working with your husband, regardless of having that strong male counterpart where people sort of think, you know, that person is the boss. When in reality, people don't understand that we're standing side by side, um, hand in hand, mm-hmm. and doing a lot of things that, you know, we don't necessarily get credit for on screen and off screen. Um, which is fine. Um, and over time, and it wasn't fine initially, I'll be honest with you. So what I've done is, first of all, is how have I become confident over time to mm-hmm. deal with these types of things is knowing my self-worth 
right? Knowing what I'm good at. And if I'm not good at something and I don't understand something, it's okay to say that and seek out people that can compliment, right? Compliment you and also help and fill in those holes, right? That you have or you feel not confident about, which is really important. And so having that confidence and working with your husband and also just aligning yourself with really good people, even outside of your company, is very important. We also, my husband and I, because we, we have three children and a fur baby together, <laughs> um, is that we had to learn um, how to work with each other. Mm. How do we work with each other? Well, we don't want to talk about work 24-7 because it can consume you right and so realizing hey this is time that we talk about work and we have to actually ask each other so sometimes we may be very excited at 9 p.m. midnight and want to talk about something the other person saying wait a minute I've just had an 18-hour day I don't want to talk about this anymore mm -hmm. um, the other thing is we both travel right so and we try to meet up with each other when we're traveling and we're filming and things like that so I think distance is a good time to really recuperate to think about things, to also really appreciate one another and what we do because we, we sometimes, you know, we cross paths and sometimes we don't. Mm. Um, I think that also helps the relationship and, and being with the partner, um, partner in life, mm. yeah. <laughs> partner in business, yeah. so yeah. Um, there was a lot there that I want to dive into. Oh. Um, so getting started, because everything you were saying, girl, it just resonated with me. So even now, people turn to Tom over me. And when it first started, it really did sting. Because mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. like, well, hang on, I am an equal partner. I do bring just as much to the yes. table. We bring different skill sets to the yes. table. But it doesn't mean that one's more worthy than the other. And initially it really upset me. And then I had to kind of emotionally work through it by myself and then turn to him and let him know that I was going through it and then start implementing some emotional things so that in those moments they don't sting anymore because it used to kind of catch my breath. Yes. Did you ever find that? Absolutely. What did you do in those moments? Um, had to go into my office and close the door. Yeah. Um, have some time to myself and really think is this something that it's worth getting angry about? Mm. Um, not reacting with emotionality um, in that moment or if that happened with a person. Mm. Um, and if it bothered me two hours afterwards or an hour afterwards or if I got home, is do something about it. If I felt that I was being undermined, mm -hmm. I would actually, um, depending on the mode of communication that was best suited for that particular instance, maybe send out an email and then do a follow-up and have a conversation, but always not with aggression, but with diplomacy intact, right? And so really thinking about what I was saying and trying to be open to the other person's point of view. Mm -hmm. Why did they say that? Why did they react in that way? Did they not have the information? Right? So that's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really good way to handle it. Um, what about with your husband? So if there's moments where you're making decisions and you guys don't agree, have you come up with like, how do you handle those situations? Because I mean, your, company, your companies are so huge. Yes. There's so many moving parts. Along those 20 years of building the company, was it often that you guys butt heads or were you like, no, we actually didn't? <laughs> we um, we don't agree on uh, okay. on a lot of things, and what I've learned over time is to again to take step a step back and reflect. What does that mean? That means okay, 
Am I disagreeing because it's somebody's characteristic or personality that I don't like, or am I angry at the situation? But also saying to my husband, let's not talk about this right now, mm. because I don't want to react, and I don't want to say something in the heat of the moment that could cause an argument that's so trivial that it can erupt, right? So I just don't want to do that either. So having, you know, this has taken time. This is not what? just something that happened <laughs> yeah. after year one and or year you're two. you're still probably working on it. Uh, all the time yeah. still, right? Because the thing is, is we both feel strongly about a point of view, but also making sure that, is it valid? Like, why am I getting angry? Why am I getting emotional about this, right? And and you and I both know is some of us are so intuitive, right? And um, we're just like, something just doesn't feel right. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. And funny enough, you'll find out a month down the road, a year down the road that, hey, your intuition was right. Mm. So always go with that. I love that. Um, my husband actually just recently had an intuition or something and I disagreed with him and he was like, I've got an intuition and I kept pushing back and at the end he's like, who do you think has more credibility? And we use that word a lot now. Mm. Who has more credibility in that specific arena? Mm. Because we've got different skill sets. Right. And so I actually had to stop and go, well, actually he has more credibility than I do. So even though he's getting an instinct that I'm not and I fundamentally disagree with him, it was like, then I was able to go, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to um, follow you on this because, yes, you have more credibility right, in this arena. Right. But that, for me, is like that recognition, like what you said about the emotion. Yes. Because emotion can so take over. Absolutely. It can consume you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so as a female mm -hmm. in this industry, what have you learned about leadership? <laughs> to lead by example. Yeah. To lead with diplomacy intact to make sure we, we are able to collaborate with people. As a female, I feel that we've been undermined so many times, um, time and time again, and I feel we have to join hands. You know, we're collaborators, we're friends, we're colleagues, we need to support each other, we need to provide each other with platforms and opportunities. Um, that's what's really, really important. Um, and just to seek each other out. And you know what's really interesting is when you put something out to the world, um, wanting to do something energetically and otherwise, those good people will come to you. It's very interesting when just having a conversation and you're just like, hmm, and you don't know why it happens. And after having a conversation like you and I did initially for you know two and a half hours, um, we realized we had so much in common um, and I wouldn't know first glance, right? So right. really also just not only providing opportunities for people, but giving people an opportunity to have a conversation as well, which is really important. I know that certain situations are very difficult to have those types of conversations. If you're at a party and it's very loud or, you know, it's a brief meeting, you don't really get to know the person. But for me, I really love to get to know people because there's always more than meets the eye. So that was something that I found um, in just researching you and talking to you and speaking to, you know, joint um, friends that we have together. And it really is that you want to give everybody a voice. Absolutely. And that was something that I really wrote down and like underlined eight times. Oh. Um, why is that important to you? And how do you go about giving people a voice? Because just to give an example, I remember you saying like you'll go to dinner and be, you know, your PA and then execs and you're just like everyone's equal, mm -hmm. everyone's a human. Absolutely. Um, talk to me about that and why it's so important. I feel that everybody should be treated equally and to be treated like I want to be treated with dignity and respect, regardless of what I do, how I do things, how I look. I don't want to be judged by how I look. 
Um, I don't want to be judged by a title put next to my name. That's not important to me. Um, having a voice in the room is really, really important because people have good things to say and great ideas, right? It always starts with an idea, particularly to tell compelling stories, impactful stories. Yeah. I think that's so, so important. And I think that um, our society has become too judgmental mm -hmm. and I don't think that's fair. Um, I think it's just really, really important to give people an opportunity um, to do wonderful things from the ground up and at a young age. I think that we can learn from the younger generations. I also think that we can learn a lot from our pioneers and our legends. Um, we sometimes dismiss them in terms of having certain diseases and losing their memory and things like that. But think about the wealth of knowledge that they have, right? The accessibility to that. We're always learning, we're always growing. So it's so important for them to have a voice and, and to be a voice that not only is in a small room, to be heard. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important. You know, again, I always emphasize complacency. There's no room for that. Giving people an opportunity, that's important to me. Yeah, when I, that's actually really interesting to be heard because I felt that with you. Have you noticed how people treat you when they see you or meet you first in comparison to them when they know who you are and what you do? Absolutely. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Um, I'll be honest with you, it kind of rubs me the wrong way because again, I'm, they're not talking to me just generally as a person, they're talking to me because they know I have some sort of accessibility, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's to film and TV or, or, you know, the industry as a whole or, you know, in terms of maybe to talent. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm cautious, but I, again, at the same time, I try to have some objectivity because maybe sometimes people upon um, first meeting, they don't give a good presentation, right? So mm -hmm. we can't always judge a book by its cover or its initial meeting, although sometimes it can be impactful. Like, of course, if they're going to be discriminatory, they're going to be mean in some mm -hmm. way, um, then that's different. But it is a hard one for me, um, just in terms of why a conversation starts or doesn't start, yeah. for that matter. Right. Um, I used to at Quest, sometimes I wouldn't tell people who I was. Yeah. <laughs> and so I ran our media studio, but nobody knew, knew that I was co-founder. And so we would get influences and talent that would come in and I would see how they would really act. Cause I was always on set and they didn't realize. And so I would see firsthand and there were people that were super genuine, like nice to everybody. And that's when I was like, they're the type of people I want to keep working. Yes. With. Yes. Because, you know, in an industry like this, where you just don't know sometimes where you stand or people aren't really who they say they are um, it's so refreshing when you meet people that really are who you know who they say they are or who you think they are absolutely and I think the driving force is just be true to yourself and what you believe in because if you want to help inspire empower people then just keep doing that right and that's your passion that's mm -hmm. what's driving you as well yeah so okay what about when you're in a moment where let's say you've got a passion project and mm -hmm. you're so excited to get it off the ground and if it came into conflict with, let's say, a value of yours, um, how do you handle things like that? Where it's like you really want something to succeed, but maybe it doesn't align with your values. The value system is very, very important to mm -hmm. me. So if it's something that is really being un undermining or disrespectful or whatever else, and it just really conflicts, it, I would probably not do it, even wow. if it was a passion project. Because 
this is the good that we want to put out in the world. And if you're a negative person and you're putting out negative things all, all together, then that's how people are going to perceive you as well and treat you. Um, so what do you want your legacy to be? How do you want to continue it? And how can you help people continue that for you as well? Are these questions you asked yourself? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially when you have children, mm. right? I have a son and I have two daughters. So regardless of gender, these questions are relevant. Mm, I love that. Yeah, your beautiful daughter is here today. She is. And what I loved, as I said, I asked her before we started rolling, um, do you take your mum for granted that she's like this incredible woman? <laughs> and she said no, because I've seen her grow and I've seen how hard she's had to work to get there. How important was that for you to show your children um, basically what hard work really means and dedication? Very important because you still have to continually work hard and to strive for what you want. If you believe in something, it's not going to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, If it is meaningful, you're going to work hard and not take for granted, you know, these types of things that have we've acquired over time, like over 20 years. So really being able to value those types of things because it took us a long time to get there. Mm. It was a long road, you know, it was never straight and narrow. There was a lot of detours. There was a lot of obstacles in the way. Our mode of transportation may have changed as well. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth it. Like every day if I woke up and thought this is easy, I don't think I'd want to do what I'm doing either. So it's the fact that it's tough that um, drives you as well. It's the, it's the fact that I realize that there's certain things that are in the way maybe um, for me to get what I want. Mm-hmm. But I feel that I appreciate it more mm-hmm. and that's what also keeps me humble. So true. The harder the struggle, the more rewarding it does feel at it the does. end. It does, absolutely, absolutely. Because yeah. it took a long time to get here. Yeah. It really did. And that's the thing. Um, as I mean, the, the movies now that you guys are being a part of are just like smash hit after smash hit. And as I'm following you, seeing all the announcements you guys are making, phenomenal. Do people see from the outside or think about you guys or your company as like a you know, like, oh my God, they've just sprouted. And you're like, no, it's 20 years of grind in the, in the back end to be able to get to the point that you are now. Some people have been on that journey with us. I mean, not the whole 20 years, right. maybe the last almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. So they understand the struggle internally and, and, and sometimes externally just to get where we're at. But some people don't understand that and, you know, see the glam and the red carpets and things like that. And you know, the premiere is very exciting because you're now in a room full of 1,200 people sometimes and they're laughing at things that you didn't think were funny or, you know, or appreciating some of the performances mm-hmm. on screen. So yeah, it's um, it's it's been very interesting. Um, well, so because the first time I met you was at the Isn't It Romantic premiere. That's right. And um, that movie was such a um, female empowerment movie. It like Absolutely. kind of you know t- turned um, stereotypes on its head of those types of movies. What did that mean to you? And what does f- female centric movies mean to you um, as a whole? And where do you see that going? That movie was very interesting. I love Rebel Wilson um, because females always have to be quantifiable. So it's a certain size, it's a certain weight. If you're in your 30s, you have to act a certain way and wear certain things. And when you're in 40s and 50s, so everything is, you know, um, number based, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is really fair. 
Um, over time, I've become a nonconformist, um, just it. in terms of what I want to wear. I want to wear what I feel comfortable in. Like those oh. badass shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, and I feel that if, if you wear with what you're comfortable in, then you have the confidence to tackle the world, to tackle the day, to take on a meeting. So um, that movie was important um, for multiple reasons because if you look at Rebel Wilson, you look at Priyanka Chopra, they don't fit what used to be the typical Hollywood um, you know, typeset in terms of, you know, I need to be like this, I need to be blonde and blue-eyed, I need to have my hair coiffed in a certain way, I need to be a size two or I need to be a size zero. Mm -hmm. um, so it was very important for multiple levels because the women in that film embrace themselves, not just on screen, but off screen as well. Um, and in terms of female stories and of empowerment and things like that, I think it's really important. And it's important for multiple reasons um, because we need to have realistic role models. And if women can see it, then they feel that they can be it. So your on-screen reality can be your off-screen reality as well. I love that. And do you feel like it's part of your duty to show that? I, I think I've assumed it. <laughs> it, not intentionally yeah. doing so um, not intentionally doing so because my husband said something to me Aaron um, a little while ago he goes a lot of people are wanting to be you and inspiring to be you or aspiring to be you and I said what why would they want to do that because think about what you're doing so I think I also have to take check a reality check in terms of, okay, let's concentrate on what I am doing, what I have done, as opposed to what I don't have or what I haven't done. Mm. How powerful has that been for you? Really great. Really, really great. Because um, somebody had pointed out that what I do in a month, most people don't do in a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, wow, that's interesting, because I've never seen it like that. I've always been very hard on myself. I always want more for everybody and for myself, like not materialistically, but more so is how come we can't, I can't take on another project? How come I can't do this? Mm -hmm. Like I sit on the advisory council for two schools in Vancouver, Vancouver Film School and LaSalle College. I also work closely with women in animation. I'm the track chair for their mentoring initiative. And then I work with women in film and TV as well. Um, so I'm always like, oh. and that's like your side hustle as you run this like <laughs> company. I mean, that's crazy. But it's more so as I like, what else can I do? Like, yeah. I want to help the world. Mm. Um, I met a man um, on our set of All Rise in October 2016, Richard Rosario, and when I was talking to you earlier about always concentrating not necessarily on you know like everybody having um, a worse off day than you and being mm. in a worse position. Mm. He was incarcerated for 20 years for a crime he did not commit. And so I've kept in touch with him, and he's going through lots of hardship right now and having to go through the court system again, and he didn't commit the crime. He had multiple alibi witnesses to say he was in Florida and not in New York. So why I'm saying this is because I do want to help him as well. Mm -hmm. I want to help people that have struggles that don't have accessibility to things. I want to have, help women and men. I want to help young people. I want to help the elderly. You know, I want to help people that really um, need the help, um, and then I can make a contribution, a good contribution in some way. Yeah, that's incredible. When you're in these situations and you want to do more, you want to do more, you want to do more, 
I think that that is why you're extremely successful because you're never satisfied. You're yes. always pushing and looking forward. But do you find it hard to then be satisfied and just say, I'm content? Or do you like the word content? <laughs> I'm the most happiest when I'm with my family. Okay. I'm the most happiest when I'm at my house. Um, I'm the most happiest when I know that I've helped somebody in some way. I'm the most happiest when I actually try to give myself a break. Um, and it's hard. It is hard because I'm always wanting to do more. I work a minimum of 80 hours a week. <laughs> um, but I can. I have the capacity. I have the bandwidth. And I know that there's a real rate of burnout. I'm starting to realize that right now. Um, so I do like the word content. I do like the word happiness because I, we have to strive for that as mm -hmm. well. You know, every day we have to think about what makes us happy emotionally, mentally, and physically. What yeah. makes us happy? Yeah, I love the duality because I get happy when I'm striving for something. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about burnout because I've definitely been there. So how do you assess that and then what do you do about it? Um, I get to the point that I can't look at my computer. <laughs> really? And that's your like, this is when I know that I've burnt out? Uh, no, it's more so is how do I incorporate things that can really help with stress levels and our outlets for that stress. So going for a walk with my dog. Um, hanging out with my, my girls, um, my son as well. Um, my daughter just took up the guitar, so singing old rock songs, oh. which is a lot of fun. But that's a reprieve. It's mm. getting away from work and concentrating on something that's much more fun, very meaningful, those little instances, you know, going on trips with my children. And so a lot of times they are work-related. We infuse work in there. But just having those fun moments where we're just giggling and giggling for no reason. Right. And you create the space in order for you to do that. Try to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes my daughter will bring out the guitar, you know, or play music or dance around. Mm. So having not just everything being work because it can consume us, as you know, mm -hmm. um, but finding those channels and finding those opportunities to have fun and and, you know, be with family. I love that. How do you then find the time? So three children working 80 hours a week like how do you do that and I don't just mean from a physical standpoint I just mean from a emotional standpoint from like knowing that you're doing both is so incredible but do you ever feel the guilt and I'm only saying it because I'm projecting so I have always thought about like do I want children or not mm -hmm. and the biggest reason why I've said no is I know I'd be guilty I'd feel guilty and it doesn't mean that I couldn't overcome it but I really think that about myself that if I was at work I'd feel guilty that I wasn't with my kids and if I was with my kids I'd feel guilty that I wasn't moving my business forward mm -hmm. um, how have you managed to do both um a few ways, actually, is I finally have an assistant who's in the room. And um, so having Sarah has been really great for me just in terms of alleviating the stress and doing some of those, you know, things that um, were really consuming my time as well and not realizing, I'll be honest with you, Lisa, I never realized how much I was doing until I had an assistant. Um, which is very interesting. Because huh. you just went on autopilot? I just went on autopilot. Mm. Um, and 
I didn't really have an opportunity to feel guilty um, initially because if I thought about every single thing I had to do before I got up, I probably wouldn't get out of bed. Okay. Um, the other thing is also is that every you know every time we do something as a family uh, and we seek these opportunities to do something, um, we have real time with each other. So at the dinner mm. table, the cell phones go away. We have to have a conversation with each other. We shouldn't be distracted, right? That's what's really, really important. You see that's missing in our, our world today in terms of technology and things like that. It is a good thing, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. And it helps us to become efficient in some ways too, but it's a deterrent to distraction as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I find myself picking up my phone on autopilot and mm -hmm. I'm like, I just spent 10 minutes scrolling through Instagram and I had no intention of doing it. That's right, it. yeah. Um, so what's, uh, what's in the future for you and what's, uh, what, what's the eye on the prize? <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely to continue what we're doing, we will be launching um, a new label as well. Because um, you don't have enough to do, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> well, I told you I want to help everyone and help the world. Um, and I also want to do it through the art of filmmaking because I feel that that's a great medium in terms of getting messaging out there. So we will be launching a, a new label that will include short form, long form documentaries, um, also narratives, um, things like that, that uh, will have an incorporation of female stories, uh, looking at racial profiling, uh, looking at mass incarceration, looking at, you know, underprivileged people. Um, so those types of things and having a foundational support possibly and also having a charitable component to that label. Mm. It really feels like that's such an authentic evolution of you and your company absolutely and um, one question I want to ask you because you've gone like your story is really incredible and it's interesting that I think you alluded to it like I don't think you realize how incredible your story is so what is the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome I think is is if we think of things as being obstacles we're gonna think we can't get through it we can't do what we want to do in life and that's going to stop us right there. I think that if we really provide a supportive network for people and a place to go and to help, and it starts with the young people for, in particular, I'm not just saying that because, you know, I have kids. I'm actually helping out my kids' high school as well and children there, um, which is really, really important. But I think that we need to get out there and say, hey, this is what we believe in as mm -hmm. women in our industry, as women that are possibly executives or own companies or co-founded companies and things like that. And once other women see that and that we're willing not to hold out one hand, but to hold up both hands. And if somebody is able to, you know, reach out and grab, we'll say, yes, let's hold hands and let's do this together. Because I think there's a lack of solidarity. Mm -hmm. And I think that we really need to put that messaging out there. But also, it's okay to fall down a little bit. It's okay to falter. It's okay to trip right? Because we learn from that and it wouldn't get us to where we are right now. So I think that's what's really, really important in terms of thinking about obstacles from a different perspective mm -hmm. and thinking about challenges as opportunities as well. So yeah. I love that. 
What do you consider your superpower to be? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I would categorize it as a superpower. Um, I think for me is um, intuition is is very important mm -hmm. to me. Is really relying on my intuition. Also um, empathy. I, I think that's really really important. Um, and and just also having passion for what I do um, and kindness. I think those are the things that are very, very important to me and respect and diplomacy mm -hmm. intact. Amazing. Yeah. Guys, guys, this woman honestly is so mind blown. Like I said at the beginning of the interview, she's incredibly humble. And as you saw in this entire <laughs> interview, the humbleness oozes out of every pore that she has. What she has achieved to me, especially as that kid in London dreaming of being in Hollywood, is so mind-blowing. And as a woman of color, to be able to achieve what she has is so inspiring. I hope you guys were as impacted as I was. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And if you're not subscribed, click that little subscribe button down there. And until next time, guys, go be the hero of your own life.